0: when we feel that internal hunger cue, we're paralyzed by this confusion and indecisiveness. We think, I shouldn't be hungry, I just ate, or I should drink coffee to try to suppress this.
1: Welcome to the Daily Dietitian Podcast. I am your host, Stacey Mitchell, registered dietitian and personal trainer. I am so happy to have you here. My goal for this podcast is to break down the latest health topics and help clear the clutter in the messy world of nutrition and fitness. We hope to inspire, educate, and entertain all things wellness. We cut the baloney of the food shaming and focus on making healthy habits that work for you. Join us as we talk with experts in their fields on how to feel our best in our own body and mind. Hey everyone, I am so happy to have you here with us today. Today's episode is a good one. It gets me thinking about those little thoughts in your head that tell you, Stop, you can't eat that because you will gain weight, or you can't eat that that has too many carbs, or You can't eat now, you need to wait. (laughs) I laugh because I think we've all heard those little voices at some point in our life. That little voice, or what we call our food critic, or maybe you call it your inner food police. Those thoughts when you are policing, telling yourself the rules and restrictions we have learned from diet culture. This insight about the food critic comes from a wonderful non diet dietitian, Rachel at Everglow Nutrition. Rachel's personalized approach is to help her clients trust their intuition in making daily choices that support their total well being. Rachel shares so many great tips on this episode as we talk about how to quiet that inner voice, how to change that voice from critic to ally. We discuss how to tell if you're overeating, how to decipher those inner hunger cues, and Rachel shares a very important topic, that first step that is a must in order to build the healthy relationship with food. I love talking with a variety of dietitians on this podcast because each one has something special and unique to share. A new view, a new saying that just clicks. And there are a number of times in this conversation today that Rachel hits the message spot on, sharing those little aha moments that help us progress in our own journey in mindful eating. I am so happy for you to join us for this conversation. It's a good one. Rachel, it's so good to have you. Can you tell everyone who you are and what you do?
0: Yes, definitely. I'm so grateful to be here, Stacy. So thank you for having me. And my name is Rachel. I'm a dietitian and also a yoga instructor. Uh, so professionally, I help women break free from diets so that they can step into their lives more empowered, energized, and free. I do that through virtual nutrition coaching primarily and also education across social media platforms like Instagram and blogging. So if you follow me, you'll find me talking about intuitive eating, mindfulness techniques, and really just simplified nutrition.
1: Yes, keeping it easy, right? Because sometimes (laughs) we tend to overcomplicate it.
0: (laughs) Yes. Uh, We can definitely do that, and we can become really confused with all the nutrition noise that's out there. So I also like to help my clients cut through that nutrition um, noise. Yes.
1: Um, And a lot of the times, I feel like people know what they should do. It's just how to make it fit for them. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah, and you're speaking to a really individualized approach of meeting people where they're at, and it's not like you're telling them what to do, you're just helping them uncover different strengths and strategies and tools they can use in their lifestyle to make nutrition work for them um, in a way that supports their lifestyle and supports their goals. Um, and it's not something that's overwhelming and uh, feels un- unrealistic. Totally. Uh,
1: what would you say is your main nutrition message?
0: Yeah. So I really got into the line of work around intuitive eating and mindfulness based on my own experience. Um, when I was really young uh, in high school playing sports, I got interested in sports nutrition at first. But that interest like kind of morphed into more of a negative connotation in relationship with food. So where I thought I was trying to fuel my body, I was actually depriving it. And I was so focused on calories, so confused by what to eat, what not to eat, what I should avoid. And so I did reach this slippery slope where the food rules were really holding me back physically, mentally, emotionally. And so from there, I feel like my message has transformed to be able to help other women now improve their relationship with food um, so they can enjoy, you know, food freedom And a big part of that message is just rebuilding trust with your body. So you would think that what I would be repeating is like eat more veggies as a dietitian, but that's not the case. It's really just that message of it is safe to listen to your body and you can rebuild trust with your body.
1: You have a post on here with The Pyramid um, with like oh, a yeah. healthy relationship, uh, sustainable eating habits, meal planning and recipes. Can you explain a little bit more about that? Cause that is such a great visual.
0: Yeah. So that visual, what's important is that establishing a healthy relationship with food is at the bottom or base of the pyramid. And that is the foundation to, all the other things to living a life well-nourished. Um, it's kind of like also if you're like thinking about the analogy of building a house, like that solid foundation is a healthy relationship with food and without a solid foundation, when a storm came like a house would not stand. So um, similarly, if there are, if you're exposed to different diet messages or um, just struggles in your day to day life that you don't have that solid foundation or relationship with food, then it's hard to enjoy meal planning without turning it into another diet, or it's hard to eat a cookie and move on. So that's um, what that post is getting to, how really with my clients first, I work on helping them find a greater peace with food. And from that place, really relearning nutrition basics. So still bringing in nutrition, um, but through a non-diet lens. And then that includes fun things like recipes and meal planning as a tool, but not as a rule. So really as a tool to simplify their life, make their week easier, feel less stressed um, versus something that we often see like meal planning, for example, as something where it's like, okay, eat these four meals a week and don't deviate from the plan.
1: Right. Um, within that building that healthy relationship with food, Um, that is definitely the groundwork that, that you mentioned. And I love seeing that Mm -hmm. as a visual, what would you say would be like your first steps to implementing that? Because it is so important.
0: Yes. I think number one step is awareness, like aware, awareness of where you currently are in your relationship with food, because we can't change like what we don't notice. So I think that first step is really just around basic mindfulness. How are my eating habits serving me? How are they not? Um, what all or none mentality I have around food. So a lot of the work initially I do with clients is around helping them just change their mindset around food first. Um, so learning how to kind of step away from that black and white or all all or none mentality and shift to kind of more gentler terms and how they see nutrition or see food. Um, another second piece of that, I would say is the listening to your body component. It's really empowering to feel connected to your body and then make decisions from those signals. Uh, so we can do that with like intuitive eating through using that hunger and fullness discovery scale. So that's one shift very early on that can be helpful, kind of listening to your body's internal cues around hunger and fullness, um, that I would Yeah, I would think about that very early on. Um, I was
1: just thinking about how I even changed uh, with my um, talking to clients and others about food. Mm -hmm. And, you know, in the very beginning, how long was it? I don't, this might date me. I think it's been (laughs) like 2003 I became a dietitian, okay, at the end of it. Um, And I really enjoyed that black and white, like, okay, Calorie counts. This is how much you're going to do. This is how many carbs we're going to shoot for. This is, and like kind of the mathematical terminology. And as I'm growing, I'm like, uh, this isn't working because we're not building (laughs) that foundation first. People keep falling off the meal, my recommendations, because we are not focusing
0: on the mindset first. (laughs) Mm, Yeah. And you bring up a a great point too that. You can change your opinion as well. So if you initially think that you're someone who needs the structure of a calorie count in order to be healthy, but now maybe you're starting to see some mes- messaging around intuitive eating or food freedom, like you can try out something new. Like you're, it's a, you're allowed to change your mind around like what um, might work for you more. Yes, that's a, that's I love a that point you adapted. Yeah, yes. <laughs> adapted that and mindset. For-
1: For some reason, I think um, maybe the males that I've counseled before, they're more into the calculations, whereas females Mm -hmm. may need uh, more of that mindset shift.
0: Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. I was just going to say, it's also important to note that when working within that framework of intuitive eating and embracing food freedom, you might think like, okay, there's no structure whatsoever. And that might scare some people away, just as you're referring to. In that case, I like to think about how there's still structure, but it's just not coming in through that lens of food rules or calorie counting. We can enjoy the structure of like the intuitive eating principles and structure determined by our food preferences. So you can still have food preferences, but that's coming from like an authentic place of listening to your body, understanding its cues and using that as your guide to, you know, make food food choices. So there's still structure. It's just a different type of structure, more rooted in like self-care versus like external rules.
1: Rachel, you like hit the <laughs> jackpot right there. That is gold. <laughs> I've never heard it really <laughs> described that way, but it is so true. And that's probably how you help, you know, help your clients kind of make those little uh, turns and uh, through their journey.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Little shifts, little mindset shifts. And yeah, those small steps really add up in any type of journey. Um,
1: What is one message that you keep having to repeat?
0: Yes, I think the one I really just said here um, around it being safe to listen to your body is one I keep repeating. And I thought about a piece of content that was pretty popular and got more eyeballs on Instagram. And it was a reel where... When we feel the urge to pee, we get up and go to the bathroom. When we feel cold, we grab a blanket and warm up. But when we feel that internal hunger cue, we're paralyzed by this confusion and indecisiveness. We think, I shouldn't be hungry. I just ate or I should drink coffee to try to suppress this cue. So really around that whole concept of like not being able to trust hunger. Um, so I think that's a topic that gets a lot of attention. I feel like I need to repeat it um, and one that can resonate with a lot of people.
1: You kind of also mentioned this within uh, a recent post talking about your inner food critic. Who Who, who is the inner food <laughs> critic or what is that?
0: Yeah. So inner food critic is kind of like your inner food police. So in this case, it would be the voice that says, like, I shouldn't feel hungry a lot of the time it has that black and white verbiage to it or all or none mentality. So should or shouldn't comes up a lot with that inner food critic Um, or maybe it's the the voice that enforces like a previous diet of you shouldn't be eating past 7 p.m. Um, Eating carbs is bad for you. So that type of mentality is coming from a voice I call that's like the inner food critic. And it's okay to have those thoughts um, the work is really in noticing that voice, but saying, I don't have to listen to this voice. I can choose to kind of employ the voice of what I call your inner ally. Um, the voice that has like your best interest in mind, a voice that talks to you in a tone that's compassionate and loving. And again, like it might feel unrealistic to think you'll never have these negative thoughts around food from your inner food critics. So then, I like to think about it as like turning down the dial or the the volume of that, the voice of that inner food critic, and then turning up the volume on the voice of your inner ally.
1: So good. I like this part of it. You said, and it's exactly what you said, but I am rebuilding trust with my body by not restricting it. Um, mm-hmm. That's kind of a light bulb for me of when you say that, that trust with yourself.
0: Yeah, yes and that really speaks to just an affirmation you could give yourself as well so when you notice the voice of your inner food critic like what's another affirmation that's more positive that you could give yourself and it just helps change that self-talk or you know inner narrative um, because and again we're talking about thoughts but it's so important because our thoughts influence how we feel and our feelings influence our behaviors and we're much more likely to take positive actions or take positive behaviors from a state of feeling good about ourselves versus if we feel horrible about ourselves or, you know, beating ourselves up in our inner talk, we feel down, we're not going to have that motivation to take the next step. So kind of that connection between thoughts, feelings, behaviors, I explain that a lot to my clients of why this inner mindset work is so important.
1: It's laying the groundwork, especially. Um, you also have a post uh, talking about the understanding the satisfaction versus fullness, and that can get a little tricky for some people.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. If you're new to that concept, I always say start with fullness first. So just understanding what is fullness, that kind of physical cue uh, or signal that you're, you're done eating, like you feel satisfied. Um, there's the presence of food in your stomach. And I think we can all identify with fullness of the point of like uncomfortable fullness, uncomfortable fullness, like Thanksgiving full or stuffed. So kind of that feeling after a meal when we eat like too much. But there is a level of comfortable fullness um, where, I mean, the food you ate, you feel satisfied and you're ready to move on with your day. And then the next step is satisfaction. So we want to aim to feel both full and satisfied from food. And satisfaction be goes, goes beyond just the physical level. I think about it as including the like emotional level as well. So we feel really content. What we ate was pleasurable. It tasted good. Like it satisfied all of our senses. And satisfaction is something that's not just present at the end of the meal, but it can be there throughout the entire eating experience. So a lot of mindful eating here can help us with feeling more satisfied, not even after eating, but during eating. So paying attention to like the colors on our plate, um, you know, chewing our food and tasting all the different textures and flavors, all of those little things are going to help us help a meal be way more satisfying and enjoyable. Um, and then it's a lot easier then too to also notice that earlier sign of fullness.
1: Yes. I think a fullness is like when the sweatpants come on you know, or like on friends when Joey has the maternity pants and he's like, these are my Thanksgiving pants. That is like extreme fullness to them.
0: (laughs) Exactly. And I think that's what so many people resonate with first of like, well, I know what uncomfortable fullness is. But when I ask them like what just like comfortable fullness is, it's like, wait, do I pay attention to that? Do I catch like when I'm at that point? Um, So that can take some time paying attention to.
1: And there's always those times when you finish a meal and you're like, I don't feel full, but I think I'm full. And then you're like, what? As I'm moving my fingers here, I'm like searching for something (laughs) in the pantry because there's that kind of that taste hunger too of that satisfaction.
0: Yeah, you speak to that other type of hunger. So taste hunger can still be present even if we feel physically full. So like our stomach is full. Um, But we need a different taste or flavor. So, yeah, maybe your meal was lacking in a certain dietary component or maybe it was lacking in a certain flavor. So, yeah, after that, if you still have that taste for something else, something sweet, like you can go ahead and grab that something else to satisfy that. And next time, you can also think about before you even build your meal, making the meal itself more satisfying. Remembering that, okay, last time I had just a salad without any dressing or fun toppings I I mean I had a lot of veggies in my stomach but I was looking for something more so instead next time you could be like let me add some healthy fats with an avocado or dressing to feel more satiated Um, what if I had some crunchy toppings on here would that make me feel more satisfied after eating or the sweetness of some berries thrown in there so that's kind of the concept you can take even leading into a meal to think about making it more satisfying
1: so spot on because I just did that. Um, I made uh, like these fall salads um, for a TV segment, and I put uh, roasted chickpeas—you know, the ones that you can buy that are already mm-hmm. roasted—and every single bite, I was like, "Like, yes, I got a chickpea!" Like that—that that made it so good. <laughs> yes, I think I saw you post those fall salads. They look
0: delicious.
1: Yeah, so that I think. Crunch should be its own food group because there is a, an extreme satisfaction to those crunchy foods.
0: Yes, we we just need that texture. And again, like so, you can ask yourself like, mm, what what textures sound good to me? Do I want something salt uh, or not salt, <laughs> soft or crunchy? Um, do I want something hot or cold? So thinking about temperature. Like now we're shifting into fall, and let's say you. Have a salad, but it was a really cold day and you really wanted like a warm, cozy soup. Like, you're not going to feel satisfied eating the salad when, like, you wanted something that was warming and maybe a little bit heartier. So, yeah, Te- texture, you named that with the crunchy foods, um, temperature, and also um, taste of <laughs> yes. third. Yes. <laughs>
1: yeah. Yes. There's so much that plays into that. And within this mindfulness, um, sometimes. It can be hard to know how much you're eating and i see you make a point about am i overeating so how do you address that
0: yeah i made that post when i was receiving questions about it that kind of same question of how can i tell if i'm full or overfull or satisfied like i can't really notice the difference so that was coming from someone who felt like she was always overeating so I think it takes a lot of introception first and like a look at your typical day of eating making sure you're eating consistent meals like throughout the day if we're skipping meals we're way more likely to kind of eat a larger quantity of food in one sitting um, or if you're eating meals but you're really distracted while you're eating so let's say you're Trying to squeeze in lunch and checking emails and checking Instagram, uh, that's a type of distracted eating. So again, it's way more likely that we'll overshoot fullness because we're not pausing to feel our body's inner cues. So I'm pretty sure on that post specifically, I mentioned that point around um, mindfulness as you're eating. (laughs) So um, not avoiding that distracted eating as well. But a lot of what we just talked about riskfulness fullness versus satisfaction um, kind of goes into that post of, am you I know, my overeating. Yes. Great point. Do you have
1: a post or a reel that has really resonated with your audience?
0: Great question. I feel like I don't get a ton of views on reels. Um, the one post I would say that's gotten more traction is, the posts that are around like normalizing certain behaviors, so like normalize feeling hungry after 7 p.m., uh, normalize eating a second snack in the afternoon, or normalize eating dessert two times a day. So the posts that just get at really breaking food rules and questioning like why is this something you feel like you have to do? Where did you pick this belief up? And Actually, like you don't have to follow it. I think people maybe find that freeing. And I know for my clients, they feel really empowered when they're able to shift away from previous diet rules and determine like what works for them in their bodies. And when they're given that you know, message from a dietitian of like, your body doesn't shut off at 7 p.m. Like, it's OK if you're hungry after that time and eat a snack. Uh, I think that those posts get a lot of traction as well.
1: And to feel that freedom for them. And then you see that light bulb kind of click that aha moment. Mm -hmm. Like I even went across the rules and it still worked for me. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Yes. So building within there. Um, Great points on everything. One thing we're missing. Tell
0: everyone how they can
1: connect with you.
0: Yeah. So I mentioned I'm on Instagram. So that's at Everglow Nutrition. Everglow Nutrition is my business name. I chose that because I interpret Everglow as this lasting light that shines from within when we nourish our mind, body and spirit. So as you can tell (laughs) the way I'm talking, I really like working with, you know, people on the the whole self. So not just body, but mental, physical, you know, the whole picture. So that's why I chose my business name. You can find me at Everglow Nutrition on Instagram um, and website is the same name. Uh, I do post weekly blog posts where I love to get into more deeper education around intuitive eating and mindfulness techniques. And the last thing I'll share is um, because I'm actually just bringing this out today. So by the time this episode goes live, it'll be available is just a free guide. So a five-step guide to eating intuitively. Five action oriented steps uh, so you can like practice some of these principles on your own. So that includes this tool we talked about today of the hunger and fullness discovery skill, some tips for building more satisfying snacks. We talked about satisfaction too, and also how to tackle or navigate emotional eating. So all of that is in a free guide, um, which you can also get, and I'll share the link with you.
1: Wonderful. So you work with clients one on one. And in a
0: group setting, is that correct? Yes, correct. And in a group setting. I love both. I can't decide between the two if I were to do one or the other. So I'm like, I'm just going to keep offering both.
1: <laughs> um, well, your website looks fantastic, just like your all your posts and other items on Instagram. Those free downloads, templates to really hit those key spots to be extremely helpful.
0: Mm-hmm. Yes, and I just have I just published that link, so I'll make sure I get it to you.
1: Awesome, good. Any other last words or other ta- little takeaways before we head on to our closing questions?
0: Hmm. I really think one uh, one message is just to like not be afraid to reach out to a dietitian. So dietitians aren't the food police; like you don't have to eat really good to work with a dietitian or leading up to working with a dietitian. Um, We're here to support you where you're at currently. Um, So I would say if you're on the fence of like, should I work with a dietitian? How would this be helpful to me? I think those discovery calls are just a great place to talk about what some of your nutrition struggles are, what some of those, what some of your goals are and get support on navigating that. Because it, there's
1: so many different levels to it, and it's hard to figure out. So uh, mm-hmm. having a coach like you, a registered dietitian, is extremely helpful with that. Um, I see YRT certification. Is that for your yoga?
0: Yes. RYT stands for registered yoga teacher.
1: Awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's a great blend. I love that with your mindfulness and yoga and nutrition. <laughs> it
0: just seems like it yes. all
1: molds real, really nicely together.
0: Yes, so that's, the yoga teacher training is where I really just deepened my personal mindfulness practices around meditation, um, you know, the physical practice of yoga, really restorative yoga, so like stress-free, gentle movement, and I was it, it just a crucial part of like my journey to making Peaceless Food, and I love being able to include that uh, within my program and education for others. I love it. <laughs>
1: Okay, we can head on into our closing questions. And the first one, if you were in a TV show, which one would you be in?
0: So you mentioned Joey from Friends earlier, and I was going to say Friends just because it's such a feel-good show. And to be in New York City in that friend group, like hanging out at the cozy coffee shop, I just feel like that would be a dream. <laughs> Good. Huge Friends fan as well. Love it. Um what is your favorite feel-good food? I would say right now it's soup, mentioning like cooler weather and my fiance and I just got an Instapot. So it's been really fun experimenting with that. Uh, we've made like a chicken noodle soup with like the egg noodles, um, vegetarian recipes, like uh, different like chickpea stews and a white bean chicken chili, cornbread. So really just that comfort of soup in the fall and like always with a side of, Crusty bread is what I'm gravitating towards right now.
1: Yum! Um, what is one food someone has said a dietitian eats? That
0: <laughs> I feel like any time I eat dessert, like if I'm at the dessert table and I put a few desserts on my plate, like I kind of get the, the eyeballs of like, how many desserts do you eat? Like, aren't you a dietitian? which I hope that changes. I hope um, our profession shifts to where we're not seen as the food police anymore. Um, But it it is kind of funny how you presented that question. It
1: it is a common question, isn't it? Or a common insight Mm -hmm. that we hear, I feel, when we are out in public eating.
0: Mm -hmm. Yes.
1: (laughs) Yes. Best or latest book you have read?
0: Yes. I love reading, especially before bed. And for the longest time I would read like self-help books or spiritual books. But lately I just have like a thing for reading fictional books before bed and getting lost in a good story. So this year I read the Nightingale with Nightingale. I don't know if I said that right. So really good historical fiction book if you're looking for a new read.
1: Yes. Is that one by Kristen Hanna? Okay. Yes,
0: I believe so. Yes,
1: great. <laughs> I love her books. Hey, oh, we great. never talked about our dogs, did we?
0: I mean, that was uh, one no, of our connections. I'm obsessed. <laughs> Is that I don't even remember? Yeah, how we first connected. It was yeah. If I posted about my dogs, so my dog's Avo, named after avocado. Okay. Um, yeah. <laughs>
1: and uh, what what breed? Because it looks similar to mine, but it's a little
0: different. So, what breed? So he's a mini golden doodle and he's an Irish golden doodle. So he has some red in him. Yeah. We just got him. He's a year now.
1: Yes. I think it was on the first birthday post that I was like, oh, cute. What kind is that? Because I have a mini burnadoodle and uh, I just didn't realize how much I would love this this dog same
0: (laughs) I feel the exact same way and our friends have Bernadoodles we actually had our friends over last night they brought their Bernadoodle to play and yeah and one and one of those other like fluffy like so lovable um breeds
1: yes I love it um so we got to get the loving for for those dogs too well that's a wrap easy peasy and I appreciate your time
0: okay thank you and I appreciate you making this simple and organizing it so (laughs) thank you for your time
1: that wraps up another episode and I know I may sound like a broken record after each conversation but it was so good I enjoyed getting to know Rachel and there is so much power to listening to other professionals insights on this topic And as I was looking at Rachel's website, I think she sums up this episode perfectly as she states, it's time to ditch diets for good so you can nourish your body and live guilt-free. You deserve to feel confident in your body and at ease around food. Yes, yes, and yes. Be sure to connect with Rachel on Instagram or on her website at everglownutrition.com Friends, thank you as always for keeping me going. You are the reason I spend so much time on this podcast, and I cannot thank you enough for your support. When you message me or comment about the podcast, it gives me a boost. If you are loving this podcast, please rate and review on Apple Podcasts or share with a friend. The more we surround ourselves with positive thoughts about making peace with food and our body, the more we live it, the more confident we are and extend this with others. Thank you so much for joining me on the Daily Dietitian Podcast.